John Curley, Sherry Elliger Show, starring Jacob. Peter Fonda. There you go. There you go. Okay. Andy Warhol. At least it's a tribute to Andy Warhol, right? In the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Well, this gal's getting her 15 minutes. She's on the grand jury. 75 witnesses. And here's the way it works, grand jury. Um, normally, if normal jury, you get the defense prosecutor in there, and you can reject a certain number of the jurors. In this case, grand jury, there is no defense there, so they just pick them, 16, randomly. You get them in. you got to be able to speak English, and um, I don't know what age you have to be. And then you sit there, and you listen to all the evidence, and then you vote secretly as to is there enough here in order for this trial to move on. That's the idea of the grand jury. And um, the judge says, you know, don't talk about it. Just, you know, don't just, you know, kind of just lay low. Well, I guess she she didn't hear the part about laying low. Have you been watching this young lady, this 30-year-old between jobs right now, never voted, just really enjoying the time in the spotlight? Yeah, what I didn't completely understand is I thought the jury, she's the jury for person, right? Mm-hmm, I thought mm-hmm. that person is usually somebody that the entire, you know, the rest of the jury's like, that person is the sharpest person. Let's elect them to Ooh. represent us. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I mean, if it is, I would hate to hear from Ooh. the other ones. I mean, she is, she's been all over the place. I mean, she's been on CNN. She's been on MSNBC, talked to the New York Times. Uh, here's Ugh. what uh, Trump had to say about it. He was he was very Beaming. upset about her, about oh, her oh, revealing oh, oh. insights oh. into the uh-huh. uh, into the thing. It says this Georgia case is ridiculous, a strictly political continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Now you have an extremely energetic young woman. The get this four person of the racist DA's special grand jury going around and doing a media tour, revealing incredibly the grand jury's inner workings and thoughts. That's what he posted Mm. on on Truth Social. Yeah, it's a gift. Uh, Those that are working in the Trump um, group said, this is great for us. This is great. Go ahead. Talk all you want. CNN loves it. After everything that you've seen, what would your reaction be if the DA decides against bringing any charges after what you've seen? I will be sad if nothing happens. Like that's that's about my only request there is is for something to happen. I don't necessarily know what it is. I'm not the legal expert. I'm not the judge. Really? I'm not the lawyers, but I I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much too much information, too much of my time, too much of everyone's time, too much of their time. Too much argument in in court about getting people to appear before us there was just too much for this to just be oh okay we're good bye and if it was just a perjury charge or perjury charges would that be acceptable to you that's fine i will be happy as long as something happens <laughs> Do we know how she voted right <laughs> and that deserved a laugh at the end <laughs> but too much of her time because she She's got other things going on, Sherry. She's got a lot of stuff going on. So, she, you know, it's all that time she put into it. Um, will Trump, why she wanted Trump to testify. By the way, um, he didn't. So 
you're not going to be able to indict him. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. I can see how trying to get the former president to come talk to us would have been a year in negotiation by itself. So it sounds like that was ultimately (laughs) a battle that you all decided not to wage. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how it ended up was that. And I'd be fascinated by what he said, but do you think he would have come in and said anything groundbreaking or just the same kind of thing we've heard? So at some point you don't need to hear 50 people say the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? At some point you kind of start to get the gist. (laughs) By the way, uh, did you hear how, how she swore one person in? Uh, is that the, was she eating the ice cream cone? She was holding a Ninja Turtle popsicle she had just received at an ice cream party thrown by the DA's office. (laughs) A lot wrong with that. A lot. (laughs) So the prosecutor, the DA's office, supposed to be separate, not have any influence. But I guess, hey, everybody, come on over having an ice cream social and get yourself a Ninja Pop. So she's got the Ninja Pop in her one hand, and she's swearing people in. Um, she also said that when people would take the fifth, then the jurors would quickly write everything down, which you're not allowed to do that. You know, oh, ooh, the guy took, gee, took the fifth. Okay. And another juror would come in every single day with a newspaper and show everybody, hey, look at this, what they're saying. This is what's going on out there. He gads. Well, listen, she's done a great job. Just like Trump blew it when he decided he would, you know, not support uh, the Georgia candidates and fight up the whole thing with Brian Kemp blew it so that we didn't get our senator um, in there. So as much as Trump deserves some credit for what he did in the Senate, this woman's going to get a lot of credit for when they be able to, the judge determines this thing because of her and what she said and the stuff. This is just, it is a gift um, to the defense. Um, how many indictments were there? Ooh, is it, would you say when it comes to, there are, indi- there are indictments recommended, of course. Is it yes. more than... 12 people? Is it more than 20 people? I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about six pages in the middle that got cut out. Allow for spacing. It's not a short list. Not a short list. (laughs) (laughs) 75 witnesses were called. There you go. There you go. Experts have said, well, she walked right up to the line she didn't give a whole, she didn't cross the line, but certainly does enough to sort of taint the whole process. But there you go. There's your jury. There's your grand jury. Mm-hmm. That's your four person. Yeah, she did not break any laws. Um, and she said being on a jury was really cool. Yeah. My Aunt Mary got on jury duty all the time because she always agreed to go on. And she was and she was so great about all that stuff. They always made her the four person. She was always in charge of it. I would tell the story that they would know right away the guy was guilty. But she used to say, let's get lunch at 1030 or 11 o'clock so we can have lunch for an hour so that the person doesn't think that we didn't spend enough time. So they would all sit there and munch on sandwiches for a little while and then, you know, <laughs> and their verdict in.
Because she said, you know, let's just let's just take our time. Because they, they all knew the person was guilty. Did you come in, big bang, back out, like five minutes later, ten minutes later, to just give the impression that, you know, that you spent some time at least well, eating your they, sandwich. You want to you think that the jury was deliberating at least and thoughtful. Yes. Yes, exactly. This is the same woman, went to church every single day. She is a saint, although she did carry in her purse what, Jacob? What did my Aunt Mary carry in her purse? A Scrabble piece? That's right. Good for you. That's right. Which piece was it? I don't remember. The X. She had okay. the X. What is the X? <laughs> uh, I think it was about three weeks ago, the train derails, uh, all sorts of toxic fumes and gas and all sorts of other stuff comes out. Um, what came out of the thing is not covered, um, whatever they, the certain chemicals, it's not, it doesn't fall into this one particular category, but Pete Buttigieg, uh, transportation, by the way, he's gay. Did I mention that? That's important when you're Obama, uh, uh, appointed person. The, so Pete has been saying, well, the problem is it's all Trump's fault because they didn't have these breaks in place and they didn't have two or three, uh, people on board that were, you know, working for the railroad um the these are all the problems and most people punch the giant holes and all that sort of stuff so trump goes in there goes to mcdonald's buys mcdonald's for a whole bunch of people and and gets some water as well and shows thousands of bottle of water trump water actually most of it uh some of it we had to go to a much lesser quality water you want to get those Trump bottles, I think, more than anybody else. But we're bringing a lot of water, thousands of bottles, and we have it in trucks. And we brought some on my plane today. But to that end, I'm pleased to announce that we've helped coordinate the delivery of the water and bottled water as uh, well as the tractor trailers full of it. We have big tractor trailers full of water. I think you're going to have plenty of water for a long time, maybe. It doesn't do a, The thing is, the problem is, is that the people are saying, listen, the water's fine. If you've got a well... Don't drink it. Do bottled water. But the rest of you that are drinking tap water, that stuff's okay. I've seen, I think, the mayor and other people on camera live drinking water and then apparently licking a salad scooper or something, Sherry. Um, <laughs> the ladle? <laughs> the ladle. ladle. Yeah. Uh, this is your transportation secretary. Did I mention he's gay? All of that. Happy to take a few questions. Trauma in this. There's a lot of trauma in this community. A lot of emotion, and as you noted, a lot of politics too. Now that you've seen the records and spoken to the people, was it a mistake not to come here sooner? You know, what I tried to do was balance two things: my desire to be involved and engaged and on the ground, which is uh, uh, how I am uh, generally wired to act, and my desire to follow the norm of transportation secretaries allowing NTSB to really uh, lead the initial stages of the public-facing work. I'll just been thinking about uh, whether I got that balance right, uh, but I think the most important thing is, first of all, making sure that the residents here have what they need. Yeah, you didn't get it right. And this is the second time, I think, that he has really dropped the ball. The first time was with the airline debacle that happened over the holidays and him mm-hmm. unwilling to really do anything to to make it better and now this um it just seems it, it the fact that he didn't go that president biden didn't go do you think it has anything to do with the fact that 70 percent of the people in palestine ohio voted for trump i would hope that's not the case but you know that's what people are saying it's the flyover country 
You're not going to win them over anyway. They're not going to vote for you anyway. Plus, here's the other thing. Who cares if the Secretary of Transportation shows up? All right, folks, uh, uh, let's get those uh, pallets out. Move that back. Get the train up. I mean, come on. And the same thing with the president. Why does the president have to be the commander in, uh, in care, flying in somewhere and walking around and seeing the devastation? <laughs> what are you doing? Right? I don't know who started. I think it was Clinton started that. You know, Clinton started that, and then Bush flew over, and then he didn't care about black people, Katrina. You know, and then Obama shows up after a tornado, or Trump goes to Puerto Rico. Who cares? You don't need the president. You don't need the transportation guy there. There's three lies that Buttigieg has told. One, if the braking system were in place that they wanted to put in place, then um, that Trump got rid of, this thing would have never happened. That's not true. The reason they wanted this incredibly advanced braking system in place is because it was so unbelievably expensive and the people who were pushing for it and wanted it in place because it would be so costly. They don't want oil. They don't want gas. They don't want anything that could be considered to sort of continue with our dependency upon oil to be transported. And they thought, well, what we could do is we could force them. If you force them to put this really advanced braking system in place, it's so expensive that maybe they will not transport and we could stop them that way. The other one was you got to have two or three people on board rather than one. Well, that's not true either. That was the union who was forcing get three or four guys on board the train. You don't know three or four guys. You can have one guy run the thing. They don't like that. Plus, the other third lie was, oh, it was all because of Trump got what of some of the regulations regarding um, overtime and that they were working and that they were tired. Look, the thing derailed. You didn't respond fast enough. The people are concerned about the water. They're concerned about the air. And you were kind of pulling back on it. And then Biden goes to Ukraine and goes to Poland while the people in Ohio are like, hey, what about us? But whether the Secretary of Transportation is there or not, what does it matter? Walking around with a hard hat on and a, and a vest. This well, idea I, that, they, oh, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. I, I think because Pete, Pete Buttigieg has made such a big deal about him being a man of the people, of him wanting to be part of that engagement about the you know about infrastructure about the the rail system. I mean, he's he has been front and center. Um, unlike other transportation secretaries who really don't even half the time know who they are. I mean, I think he's put himself in that position where he's wanted to be uh, the spokesperson or the comforter-in-chief or whatever it is for some of these things. Um, Right. There was a 2021 letter that was signed by 20 Republican senators supporting waivers for the rail industry to limit in-person safety inspections of railroad tracks. So mm-hmm. that part is true right. In you terms know why? Regulation, because they wanted to put in place a computer system that would be far faster and more effective. But what does that mean? Well, if you're going to put a computer system in place to check the rail condition, that means whoop, there's some union jobs out the door, and we know the unions get the Democrats elected. So you don't want to replace the union guys. Same thing that happens in uh, down in the ports in California. Well, we could we could computerize this system. Oh, no way. Same sort of thing happened here. But Pete wants to be president of the United States. Yes. Because and if you remove the fact that he is uh, married to a man and they have got two kids, who is he? He's just some guy from some small town mayor 
but because, oh, it's, oh, he's, he would be the first gay this or gay that. That's what gives him the status. But, you know, now people are looking at him, well, maybe he was over his head when it came to the Department of Transportation. What, a, what, what do you know about any of that stuff? You mean what, did, what does anybody know? What does a Pete? What, what does he know about that? He does. Who are you going to hire for any of that? <laughs> he, well, there are people that are experts in some areas of transportation. He was the mayor of what Fort Worth or something? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. But this is the first time he actually sounded somewhat genuine. Usually, he sounds like a, a the Chat GPT, like he just sounds mm-hmm. so robotic. And rehearsed, and this sounded like he maybe was he's a little glib. bit more. He's glib. He's glib. Go, go, go with glib, Sherry. Okay, he's glib. There you are. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, the world's oldest person. I like. Is she still alive? No. Sorry. Oh. She could co-star someday. <laughs> I like the fact that she started something very late in life that most people don't do. I'm with her on that. I'm I'm following in her footsteps, but not into the grave yet. Here we go. Bucky's Bucky's Auto Service Centers. Take your car to Bucky's. They've got 16 locations. Sometimes you might see the sunlight giggles. Jake, I'm in the middle of a spot here. I'm right in the middle of a spot. Bucky's. Bucky's Auto Service Centers. Sorry about your sneezes, sunlight giggles. Uh, 16 locations have been around for 52 years. Take your car to Bucky's Bucky's Auto Service Centers. All right. Thank you. All right. She lived to be 122, Sherry. God bless this old gal. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done studies on her. She was in France, and they're like, how why, How did she live so long? If you are born in the 1900s, as she was, 1901, you live to the age of, ripe old age of 47. You're coming up on that, Sherry. And you died of influenza, and the flu took a lot of people out, and a few other things like a dysentery or some sort of intestinal problems as well. Most people didn't live that long, so they studied this lady to figure out how come she lived so long. Did you see why they why they thought she uh, was able to outlive everybody else? Yeah, there were three reasons. One, she mm-hmm. was very wealthy. She came from an extremely uh, wealthy background, lived the mm-hmm. good life pretty much her whole yep. life. Um, she never, never worked. worked. She yep. never worked. So she didn't have the stress of that. She also had a great social life. She was mm-hmm. very busy going to lunch with people, had lots of friends, had lots of people around her all the time. And maybe and? the biggest reason, she didn't start smoking until later in life. Mm. So once you get past, I think, 110, then you just just start pulling down those... Marlboro Reds. She tried yeah, to smoke 100. earlier on. She tried to smoke earlier on. She didn't like it um, because it wasn't very ladylike in France. But you go to France now, they still smoke like chimneys there. But yeah, and then she just thought, well, you know what? I've made it past whatever she made it to 112. She's like, yeah, I'm going to start smoking. 112. <laughs> but she still lived another 10 years. I mean, <laughs> I'm totally doing that, but I'm not going to wait till 112. I don't know, maybe what, 65? We're going to cut 70? loose and start to, okay, so you're not, you're trying to take care of yourself, but you get to a certain age, you're going to be like, you know what, screw all that. I'm going to start to enjoy myself, right? So your, your plan is? Yeah, my, my former father-in-law told me this story. He said, I went to the doctor 
And accent, the doctor please. said, accent, accent. No, no I'm not going to do accents. And he said, hey. um, you, you, you need to start exercising. You need to start exercising. And uh-huh. if you um, exercise vigorously starting now, and it's probably, I don't know, 60 something, you could add years to your life. And he goes, okay, mm-hmm. how many years? And he goes, uh, two or three. And he said, so you're telling me. That uh-huh. I could die at 85 or 87, but I have to exercise vigorously to get there. Mm. Uh, forget it. No and bueno. I, you know, no, it's, no es importante. No, no quiero. No quiero nada. So. <laughs> Care, careful. He said no. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of am with him on that. I just think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, aren't you going to throw caution to the wind at some point? Didn't your dad do that? Yeah, once he got past 78, then he's decided every year, every day after that was the bonus years because he thought he should be dead at 78. So he thought, okay, if I make it past 78, then, you know, double scoops of ice cream and, you know, vodka before 12 o'clock and uh, double cheeseburgers and a whole bunch of other stuff. Because then, as he said, I'm in my bonus years. The bonus years, every year past 78 because that was the where they had him on the – the life insurance policies. 78 after that, you should have been dead. I also looked up to see what people thought in France. So in 1900, they asked the people of France, what will life be like in the year 2000? And they had this whole weird thing. They thought everything was going to be flying. They thought police would be flying around. Kids would have, like, wings as well. And firemen would be able to fly. There were all these flying things. They were really into this idea that, oh, everybody's going to have wings and fly around. And then they were asking, how are they going to fly around? Well, it's going to be electric or something. Well, they get a plug or something. They didn't quite figure all that out. But that was uh, what they thought life would be like. Well, this gal made it all the way, 122 years. I like the fact when they asked her about the smoking thing. Because normally, you know, excuse me, what's the secret to li- long life? Like, I don't know. You know, whatever they say. And, and <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that answer? That was, that was my imitation of an old French lady. Oh, okay. Oui, oui. Another thing is going to, I would assume this would uh, hasten your departure, would be if you have to move in with your kids. This is oh. this other story that people are now moving in with their children. Yeah, parents are living with their kids. It used to be that... You know, you hear all these stories about the kids moving back in with the parents and they're, you know, over 30 living in the basement with their ki- their kids and everything because mm-hmm. they can't afford it. Well, one in four Americans now between the ages of 25 and 35 live with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's switching now where it's the the younger parents. I mean, these aren't necessarily really elderly people are moving in with their kids and they're having these um you know, these multi-generational homes and mm-hmm. it's for reasons of, you know, for finances, uh, the, the, the younger kids need childcare. So, and they say it works most of the time, but then again, you know, you are living with your parents. So but this is the way it used to be, Sherry. I mean, it was, everything is old as new again. It, it yeah, your mom and your dad live with you. Everybody, there is multi-generational. Some families, Japanese and Indian families as well. The parents live with the whole family. They're all in there. I kind of like that. I would have liked to have had my grandparents living with us. That would be kind of cool. Um, and you do learn a lot from having the parents there. So I don't think it's necessarily a burden. I was going to have my dad 
live with. We were trying to figure out who's dad going to live with or mom, but because we didn't want to spend all the money, my dad didn't want to spend the money on those nursing homes. So when he got to the point where, you know, he wasn't taking great care of himself as he's really enjoying his bonus years, my brother and I are like, well, maybe he'll live with you. I was like, yeah, come on out, live with me. So I would have been all right with that. You would have, you would have appreciated that. Your dad had dementia. Um, your mom is still with you. At what point do you open the door and have your mom live with you? Well, my, my parents were very conscientious about this and they wanted to make sure we never had to have that happen. So, uh, about, Seven years ago, they spent a lot of money to get into a facility where my mom still lives in the independent living part of it. She's in her own apartment. This is beautiful. The place is beautiful. And then they had care that eventually my dad had to go into skilled nursing care. And they picked that place on purpose so we wouldn't have to face that. And probably because they didn't want to live with either one of my sister or me. But, yeah, I mean, I and I've always been very grateful that they that they were able to do that that they had you know the money and the the wherewithal to to get all that organized um Mm. i i don't think i my mom is better where she is because she has everything there for her yeah yeah all the meals keep telling yourself that medical everything yeah sure (laughs) and i i do i spend a lot of people that love her are so yeah i mean good good i couldn't i i couldn't provide those things no she's she, meal. I mean, she, well, I mean, there's medical care, there's socializing, yeah. there's all oh, kinds of yeah. things. She's better with strangers. <laughs> you would live with your kids? No. Okay. I told my kids I'll never be a burden. My dad did that, too. I'm not going to be a burden. I will not be a burden. So you're not a burden. You can come live here. No, would I live with my kids? Who knows? But no. Unless they want me to. Mm, probably don't have to worry about that. Probably not. <laughs> By the way, Rye, Rye's coming back to the state of Washington, and I um, um, he's going to be on the air tomorrow. He's not listening now. I'm dressing up as a pumpkin when he gets off the plane, so I can attack him. <laughs> okay. I know what you mean, but to anybody that doesn't, that does yeah. sound concerning. Oh, I'll explain it. Okay, I'll explain good. it later. Okay. Then. Okay. okay. All right. Let's go to Nate in the. Uh, it'll all make sense, sort of. Okay. Not really at all. <laughs> So Roller comes back uh, from Florida and moving back on Tuesday. And I'm going to be uh, surprising him at the airport, Sherry. Is he coming back to live with you? Yes. He's going to. Yes, oh, so you are. You're going to have a. Uh, you, you are having a multi generational. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Home. But this is okay. him coming back here. Not like you feeling it's better to have your mother in some home somewhere as opposed to <laughs> in the bosom. <laughs> Let me tell of you your... something. That place is really nice. Oh, oh, really yeah, nice. I know. It's, oh, yeah. It's great. She loves it. Being surrounded by <laughs> strangers. Uh, so I t- debated whether or not to surprise him. Every year I pick him up and throw him in a box of pumpkins. I've been doing it since he was a little kid. Um, and then he kind of caught on to it and I had a harder time. I got East Lake High School to allow me to put a bunch of pumpkins in the principal's office and they called him in and then I tackled him on top of it. But then I missed this year. So then I thought, well, this year I'll get him at the airport. And um, I sent Jacob the sound of me chasing after him. And um, I sent you a picture as well. Did you guys get that? Yeah, you want me to play it here? 
This is you. Yeah, it's uh, a giant inflatable pumpkin that you can get on Amazon for twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I'm, it at your house in two days. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play yeah. the scare here, Brian, that you have. Okay, all right. Well, let me set this up. I waited for him. I knew he was coming out, and I waited behind the car, and I'd missed all the pumpkins out in front of Fred Meyer. So I thought I'll just wait here. I knew he was coming out. So I'm. I've been waiting there for like five minutes, and then yeah, here we go. Oh, that's ah, no! <laughs> the giant pumpkin suit. I got him. Then he slipped out of his coat. I chased him all around the backyard. I almost had him. But it's hard to keep up, Sherry, because the pumpkin suit is so big and it's got the fan in there, so you can't, I couldn't quite, you know, put the final, you know, shellacking on it. Yeah. No wonder where you know is coming out. Yeah. So I'll get them tomorrow. I'll get them at the airport. But I'm sure people at the airport, uh, excuse me, your pumpkin suit's making me very uncomfortable. I don't know why Jacob's there, but every voice I go to now is Jacob's in my, in my, in my head. Just anybody that's uncomfortable. Anyone with that's it. annoying you is the other. That's yeah, the other that's concern. true. <laughs> yeah. So that's the surprise. Well, that was me waiting. Yeah, I was waiting. Do you have that one, Jacob? Or Jacob? Uh, yeah, the, the only good part's at the end here, I think. Okay, here we go. I have to go to the bathroom is what you said. Yeah, it's true. Couldn't get, couldn't get you still suit. have the suit? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it would be, I mean, you're going to be able to drive in that thing? No, no, no. I'll put it on. He's getting off the flight around 1030. I'll put it on and then inflate it and then wait off to the side. I was going to see if I could get somebody sitting there waiting to hold a sign up to welcome home, better look out or something like that. And then, but I don't know if I could chase him through SeaTac. <laughs> yeah, that's a good and a good place to put better look out is at an airport. <laughs> I don't think so. I have people, I've been, you know, in the good old days, you could chase somebody around SeaTac in a pumpkin suit without anybody getting all upset. But I'm sure they're going to call security. And I'm like, eh, you know what? This is how memories are made. Uh, maybe, maybe you could just tell him where the car is and then wait till he gets out to the car and then kind of get him there. Not getting off the plane? Well, I just think that's going to be complicated because he's got to, where are you going to go? Baggage claim or where can you even get in? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm landing. I'm coming in earlier. Uh, oh, you mean you're going to be at an airport too? You're going to be in the yes. airport? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well then, yeah. Then if you're already inside the airport, but I thought you were going to try to get in somehow in the But you think suit. people are going to give me a hard time running around the airport? Are they going to be yes. like, uh, sir? <laughs> yes. It, people, people are very skittish at airports these days. So uh, a, a guy in a giant pumpkin suit is going to create a little bit of uh, discontent. Not, with the, not when you put the thing on top of your head. When you strap that thing on, it says fun. Write that one down. <laughs>